by Passion Church, the DeSoto County campus, the fun church in Horn Lake, Mississippi. For more information, visit us at www.mypassion.church. I've always been known as a wheeler dealer, you know, I grew up kind of poor and if I wanted anything nice, I had to wheel and deal my way into it. And uh, when we were playing in a rock and roll band many years ago, uh, my, my guitar player, Jamie, you, you, he wasn't here today, but the guy that usually sits over there and plays guitar, um, he wanted a new amplifier that he saw at this pawn shop. And he knew that I would be able to talk the guy down on the price, so he wanted to take me with him. So I went with him to the pawn shop, you know, and we got there, and sure enough, we saw the, saw the amp and everything. And while I was looking around, I looked up on the shelf, and there was acoustic guitar. Didn't look like much, but it was a Guild acoustic guitar, which is a top name brand and this was a nice model the only thing wrong with it, it had a busted string on it you know and i guess the pawn shop guys didn't know what they had they put it up there with a hundred dollars on it this thing was worth eight nine hundred dollars easy and i thought to myself i told jamie i said we fixing to make a package deal you know it wasn't good enough that i could get that guitar for a hundred dollars you see i I wanted to get it thrown in so i got the guy from the pawn shop over there and i said we're interested in buying this amp he wanted like 400 i said i give you 300 for it if you throw in that old ugly acoustic guitar. He said, no, I couldn't do that. And I said, all right. I'll tell you what, I'll give you $50 for the guitar if you sell me the amp for 300 He said, no, I don't know about that. And I thought I had him. I thought he was, you know, teetering between yes and no. So I, I made my big play. I said, well, all right then. Well, thanks anyway, and I, I've made my big exit waiting on him to grab me and say, hold on, hold on, you know how they do. But we kept walking, and nobody said, hold on. We walked all the way out the place, and Jamie's like, what are you doing, man? I thought we was going to get that guitar amplifier. I said, I was still trying to play it, play it off like I knew I was doing. You know? Oh, We're just giving him some time to think about it. We ain't had lunch yet. Let's go over to that barbecue place, get us something to eat, and we'll come back in a minute, and we'll finish wheeling and dealing. Well, we did. We went over there and ate, and we came back. And when we walked back in the, in the pawn shop, guess what? There was a fellow in there holding that Guild guitar, carrying it around with him. My heart started going, doom, 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 because I wanted that guitar bad. I mean, it was a good guitar. So I started kind of nonchalantly following that dude around. I was thinking, if he sets it down, it's mine. You know, I'm grabbing it. I followed him around. He wouldn't set it down. He walked up to the counter with it. He said, will y'all take 75 for this guitar? He said, yeah, we'll take 75. Threw in a brand new hard shell case that was worth $75 and put it in and sold it to the guy for $75. What do you think I did? I followed the guy out to the car. <laughs> I followed him out there and said, look, dude, uh, I just came in here to buy that guitar and I noticed you just got it. Look, I'll give you $100 for it right now. He thought about it, like, maybe make a quick 25. He said, no. I said, what if I give you 125? He said, no. 150? I was up to about 200. The higher I got, the more he realized what he had was important. He said, I'm keeping it. <laughs> and he drove off with my guild, guild guitar. <laughs> and then I had to go back in there and pay full price for the amplifier because I didn't have no, huh? Was it you? 
But it was for Jamie. Okay, it was true. Is it a true story? <laughs> See, I, sometimes I have witnesses. Y'all don't believe me all these stories. <clears throat> but I was messing around and lost the opportunity. And that's what I'm afraid many of us are doing as Christians. We're messing around and missing our opportunity. We're missing the thing that, we, that our hearts desire the most because we're messing around. Now, the last couple of weeks, I didn't even know we was in a series till this week, you know. But it really is a series. We talked about two weeks ago, times of refreshing come from the presence of the Lord. We talked about the presence of the Lord. Then last week, you remember the grand exchange. What's the grand exchange? Say worship. And what happens in worship? All of me for all of him. Remember the grand exchange. And we talked about how we all are going to worship something. Some of us in this room right now might be worshiping their job, worshiping money, worshiping their golf clubs, <laughs> playing golf or whatever, their hobbies. Something is first place in everybody's life. And everybody's worshiping something. So what we're going to talk about today is who is worthy of our worship. And, and today's message is entitled, Worthy. Now you're saying, Pastor, I know what you're going to say. We can just leave right now. He's just going to tell us God's worthy of our worship. And the, I am. I'm going to tell you that God is worthy. I'm going to prove to you in the, word, the scriptures and I'm going to try to touch your heart to get you to see because even though you know it, do you live like it? Do you worship like he's worthy? You know, every day we make decisions about what we're going to do with our time, with our resources, with our money. What about my love, my affections? What am I going to Is it worth it? We often, I want that amplifier, but is it worth it? What they're asking for. And I'm here to make a case that Jesus is the one worthy of our hallelujah. As Chad just saying. He's worthy of all that we are. He's worthy of the grand exchange. Did you know the, the word worship is an old English word that really come from two root words mean worth and ship? But it means worth-ship. So when you're worshiping God, you're saying you're worth it, God. Sometimes we don't look all dignified like we talked about last week when we worship. But we don't care. Because he's worth it. He's worth it. He says of himself in Isaiah 40, verse 25, To whom will you compare me? Who is my equal? Is there someone else out there that's competing for his worthship? I don't think so. He's the creator of all, big and small. He's the creator of everything that you need a telescope to see from a distance and everything that you need a microscope to observe that we can't see with the human eye. Everything, big and small. He's the God that can put a beating heart within a fruit fly. Have you ever thought, have you ever cut yourself? I cut myself yesterday. I got a band-aid on. 
and, and a drop of blood comes out. And if it sits on the table or something, it pulls up. It's a little drop. It's bigger than a fruit fly, a drop of blood. How do you partial out that blood and put it in a vein of a fruit fly? But our God does it. Our God calls all the stars by name. Well, you say, well, that's, I can see that, you know. But I'm not talking about the stars that we can see from here. I'm talking about all the stars. You know we can't even count the galaxies in the universe? They tried to count and they got up in the hundred and something billion and they gave up. I'm talking galaxies. The Milky Way galaxy that we live in is just one galaxy. But there's billions of galaxies. I don't know how they see them all. I don't know how they can. <laughs> I, I mean, the Hubble is up there, but I don't know how it sees that far away. But they, they estimate that the farthest galaxies, that the edge of the universe as man can conceive it, I don't know if they can even conceive past this, is 46 billion light years away. If we were to try to get to the, the ends of the universe, just as we know it, as we can conceive it, not probably as it really is. Do you know what a light year is? Light travels at 186,000 miles per second, not per, mi per hour. In one second, light could travel around the earth seven times. Okay, do you have any concept of what 46 billion years, how long that is? Will any of us be here on earth then? If we set out light, it would take 46 billion years for it to get to the end, traveling at 186,000 miles per second. You think our God ain't big? When he said, let there be, he didn't say stop, and it's still going. They believe that the universe is still expanding. And who are we with our little peanut minds to figure it out? The things that I told you are so surface level compared with what the truth probably really is. It's incredible. Colossians chapter 1 verse 15. Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. We know God is spirit. We know nobody's ever seen the face of God in his form as, as the Father, the Spirit. But we have seen the face of Jesus. Jesus is the visible image of the invisible God. You say, what is God really like? We see him dying on our cross. We see him having patience with us and his disciples, right? We see him setting all these things straight that the, the religious folks had messed up in the process. He is the visible image of the invisible God, and he existed before anything was created. He wasn't just a little baby born in a manger. He is supreme over all creation, all 46 billion light years and beyond. For through him... God created everything in the heavenly realms and on the earth. 
That means you and me. He made the things that we can see and the things that we can't see, such as thrones, kingdom, rulers, and authorities in the unseen world. You see, there's another world that we can't even see with our natural eyes that's more real and more everlasting than this temporary natural world which we live in right now. We're just seeing things through a glass darkly. We have no idea what God has prepared for those that love him or for those that don't. Everything was created through him and for him. And that's probably one of the biggest statements ever made in the history of the world. You want to know who Jesus is? Everything was created through him and for him. That almost buckles my knees to think about. He existed before anything else. And he holds all creation together, you understand. Christ is also the head of the church which is his body, and he's the beginning, supreme over all who rise from the dead because he was the one who rose from the dead, you see. So he is what? He's up near the top in everything. He's in the top percentile. He is first in everything. I would say he is the very definition of the word worthy. Can I get an amen? Amen. In Revelations chapter 4, verse 10, it's talking about the third heaven. You know, heaven as we know where God's throne is. It says, the 24 elders fall down and worship the one sitting on the throne, the one who lives forever and ever. See, there's worship going on in heaven. What we're doing down here is just a, 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 a snapshot of what we're going to be doing there. And they lay their crowns before the throne and say, you are worthy. That's the testimony of heaven. You are worthy. Oh, Lord, our God, to receive glory and honor and power. For you created all things and they exist because you created what you pleased. He is worthy. He owns it all. He made it all. He sustains it all. And he rules it all with the sovereignty I'm telling you, he's holy, righteous, loving, merciful, kind. He's beautiful. He is the absolute truth, and there ain't no doubt about it. He is infinite. He's beyond time, space, and dimension as we know it. He's all-dimensional. At the same time, he's been in yesterday and today at the same time. And he'll be in tomorrow, today. Time doesn't hold him back. Space. He can be here and there at the same time. That's why he's with you all the time. He's omnipotent. Omnipresent. He's all-powerful. The Bible calls him Elohim. The strong one. Divine. The Bible calls him Adonai, the Lord. In Genesis 14, he calls him El Elyon, Most High. Woo, the Most High God. We used to, I used to preach, and we used to have the warriors sitting over here. 
and, and somebody would get excited from the warriors, the same guy every time he'd say, oh, most high God, the most high God. But he's exactly right. That's what come out of his heart. He is the El Elyon, the most high, the strongest one. He's the El Roya that we talked about, the one who sees me. This God that, that flung the galaxies into existence sees you. Oh, my goodness. I don't know. I'm preaching myself happy. I, I'm going to be honest with you. I went over this message Friday here in the sanctuary. I got it on video because, you know, everything's recorded. I had to go back and look at it. It was so funny. I preached myself so happy. I went back to my office and tried to act dignified, and I came back, and I ran down this aisle doing this number here, and I got down on my knees and said, yes, Lord, yes, Lord. Woo! I did. I was most undignified. Oh, some of us need to do that. Some of us need to let it go. Uh, I guess I felt comfortable doing it because there was nobody in here to see me, but I just did it in front of everybody else just now, didn't I? I came out of that office, I was probably running, woo, maybe two, three mile an hour when I got to here. Best I can go. He's El Shaddai, the Almighty God. He's El Olam, the everlasting God. In Exodus, he's Yahweh, the Lord, the I Am. Mm. He is I Am. The eternal self-existent God. He's the keeper of life itself. And he came down here to give his life. To redeem us. To give us a new start. We gave it all away and he gave it all back again. Talking about a good, good father. Bill, that was, that was such... I was ready to shout during the offering today. I'm telling you, the more we lift up God in this place, the better our church will be. The more we keep our focus on what's true and what's real and who's worthy. Man, we don't come here just pretending. Don't come here just to go through the motions and have a service. Our God reigns over this place. His presence is in this place. There's times of refreshing in the presence of the Lord. What is he to you? Woo! <laughs> what worth can you... Assign someone who saved your soul from an eternal damnation. Deuteronomy 32, verse 3. Moses, for I proclaim the name of the Lord, ascribe greatness to our God. I just love the way that sounds. Ascribe greatness. Say that. Do you ascribe greatness to our God? He's the rock. His work is perfect for all his ways are justice. A God of truth without injustice. Righteous and upright is he. The apostle John was taken up to the third heaven while on the Isle of Patmos in the book of Revelations. John the Revelator. He got to see things that's not even lawful for him to utter. He saw things that he couldn't tell us about. But he was in the third heaven, and they pulled, the angels brought a scroll with seven seals on it. And there was nobody found that was worthy to open the seven seals. And John began to cry. 
You see, it was during the time of the, they hadn't even got here yet, but it was during the time of the great tribulation here on the earth. These seals were the judgments upon the wicked on the earth to stop the madness going on down here. And John began to weep because there was nobody found worthy to open the seals. And they said, whoa, wait a minute, John. Wait a minute. There is somebody worthy. There is somebody worthy. There is somebody that's worthy to give judgment upon the earth. And, and I got news for you, it ain't you. But there is somebody worthy to judge the earth and open the seals. And in Revelations chapter 5, verse 9, they sang a new song with these words. See, they sing it in heaven, I'm telling you. I'm telling you. You are worthy to take the scroll and break its seals and open it. For you were slaughtered. You see, he's worthy because he'd been there. All judgment was poured out on him. For you were slaughtered and your blood is ransomed people for God from every tribe, language, and people and nation. And you have caused them to become a kingdom of priests for our God. Look at your neighbor and say, you priest, you. And they will reign on the earth. And then I looked again and I heard the voices of thousands and millions of angels. You know, one time I saw on a video, a million people had gathered at a Reinhardt Bonnke crusade. Have you seen a million people in the same place? It's like, covers, covers the entire town or city, or just for far as the eye can see, people. And it's saying, he looked and heard the voices of thousands and millions of angels around the throne. You're talking about a Holy Ghost party. And of the living beings and elders. And they sang in a mighty chorus. Can you imagine what the chorus would sound like if we just all sang in here? Worthy is the lamb <laughs> who was slaughtered to receive power. Does he have your power? He's worthy to receive riches. Wisdom. You see, he gave you your riches and your wisdom. Do you give him back what he asked? Do you give him your strength and honor and glory and blessing? He's worthy of these things. And then I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and in the sea, everybody, they sang, blessing and honor and glory and power belong to the one sitting on the throne and the Lamb forever and ever. And the four living beings says, amen. Say amen. Can you say amen to that? And the 24 elders fell down and they worshiped the lamb. They worshiped him. He's worthy. But why does Jesus have to keep asking people, who do you say I am? If I had done all those things, I would consider it a, a smooth insult to have to say, who do you say I am? Let's turn to Malachi chapter 1. It's right before Matthew, the last chapter, or the last book of the Old Testament writer. 
Malachi chapter 1. You know, when the Bible says God's long-suffering, I believe it because he has to put up with knuckleheads all these years. And when I say knuckleheads, I mean it. <laughs> with, if I'm pointing at you, I got three more, more fingers pointing back at me, right? Knuckleheads. Have, has anybody ever been a knucklehead in here? <gasps> the Lord of heaven's armies, we know that to be the Lord Jesus Christ, says to the priest. Now, he's talking to the priest. He's talking to the nation of Israel. He said, a son honors his father. And a servant respects his master. If I'm your father and master, where are the honor and respect I deserve? You have shown contempt for my name. But you ask, how have we ever shown contempt for your name? You have, shown, you have shown contempt for my name by offering defiled sacrifices on my altar. Then you ask, well, how have we defiled the sacrifice? You defile them by saying that the altar of the Lord deserves no respect. When you give blind animals as sacrifices, isn't that wrong? Do you hear the tenderness? He's God Almighty, and he's having to plead for your respect. And show us the error of our ways. And how we just mistreat and give him our leftovers and, and our defective and our unwanted. Do we ever give him our best? Do we ever break open our bottle of perfume, our alabaster box? When you give blind animals as sacrifices, isn't that wrong? And isn't it wrong to offer idols that are crippled and diseased? Don't pawn off your garage sale stuff on me, God's saying. Is that what you think I'm worth? Try giving gifts like that to your governor and see how pleased he is, says the Lord of heaven's armies. Go ahead, beg God to be merciful to you. But when you bring that kind of offering, why should he show you any favor at all? Asked the Lord of heaven's armies. How I wish one of you would shut the temple door so that these worthless sacrifices could not be offered. I'm not pleased with you, says the Lord of heaven's armies, and I will not accept your offerings. But my name is honored by people of other nations from morning till night. There are people who worship and honor the Lord. All around the world they offer sweet incense and pure offerings in honor of my name. For my name is great among the nations, says the Lord of heaven's armies, but you dishonor my name with your actions. By bringing contemptible food, you're saying that it's right to defile the Lord's table. You say it's too hard to serve the Lord. Why is it the two hours for church on Sundays be, seems to be the most precious two hours in everybody's work week? You know, my aunt's coming into town, and I, she won't be here till Monday, but we wanted to take Sunday off to rest up in case, you know, she gets here early. I mean, the first two hours we'll give up is church.
You say, it's too hard to serve the Lord. And you turn your noses up at my commands, says the Lord of Heaven's armies. Think of it. Animals that are stolen and crippled and sick are being presented as offerings. You stole it and then gave it to the Lord. Should I accept from you these such offerings as these, asked the Lord? Cursed is the cheat who promises to give a fine ram from his flock, but then sacrifices a defective one to the Lord. For I am a great king, says the Lord of heaven's armies, and my name is feared among the nations. Let that not be said about our church. Let us be a church of whole hog worshipers. That we give everything and all, whatever he asks, that we, we know he's worthy. Because humans have a tendency towards the lukewarm. I mean, if we just, what's that law of gravity or some emotions, items sitting still, stays still, and the item in motion tends to stay in motion, something along those lines? Well, I don't know what it is about our worship, but if we don't keep moving forward, we're going to be moving backwards. You give yourself a couple Sundays off, then you, you, you're just not going to be regular anymore until you have this great epiphany from God by the time you probably hit rock bottom in your life. We have to keep moving forward. We've got to keep... Stri I, mean, I know that human tendency is to forget. And, it, and we, we, we're comfortable in lukewarm. Some of us have grown comfortable in just flat-out cold. But it's, he's worthy of the effort it takes to stay red-hot on fire for Jesus. That's where the blessings are. The blessing of having that relationship open and vibrant. When I got saved, I always tell y'all this, I got saved, saved. I don't know how to say it, but I got saved, saved. I didn't get saved for a ticket to heaven. I got saved from my sins. And the Bible says, he who is forgiven much loves much. And I love him more than all of y'all. Somebody ought to talk back about that. But I feel like I love God more than anybody. I've been hard after him ever since I got saved. Have I had times where I began to slide back? Yes. But I stir myself up. I, I will not get to heaven and have him say, you was lukewarm. I just refuse. And I know I can't do it in my own strength. I've learned to even trust him for that. But I say, Holy Spirit, you know, pick me up. Help me. Forgive me. Move forward. Let's move forward. Let's move forward. I'm not happy with where I'm at. I think that's why I'm preaching so hard these last three weeks because I, I'm not hearing his voice like I, I have been. And I, and I get anxious. And I got I to gotta stir myself up. I'm preaching to stir myself up, you understand. I need the times of refreshing. I need his presence. And I'm saying, God, I'm, I'm giving all of me to all of you again. Because we have a tendency to be lukewarm. And he's not pleased with lukewarm. 
That's what the, the, the nation of Israel was here. They just become lukewarm. I'm just going to chunk a few of my extra dollars in the, in the, black, in the basket. I'm just going to go to church, you know, I'm going to sneak out early or this. I, I'm not giving my best to God. I'm just giving him enough to hang on and say I'm, I'm doing good. But you know in your heart that you're not where you ought to be. And we see in the Bible a history of mankind having a tendency to, to care what other people think about our worship. In John 12, 42 when Jesus was on the earth, it says, nevertheless, even among the rulers, many believed in him. You know that we always lump all the Pharisees, all the teachers of religious law, all the Sadducees. We, all, we lump them into the religious bunch and we write them all off, right? But there were among them those that actually believed. They saw the miracles and they said, he couldn't do this if God wasn't with him. There's no way. And they believed. But because of the Pharisees, the rest of the Pharisees, they did not confess him. Lest they should be put out of the synagogue. For they loved the praises of men more than the praises of God. They care what other people think. Even Nicodemus. Nicodemus is the one that came to Jesus in John chapter 3. Where we get John 3.16. That's who he, Jesus was talking to, that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth him shall not perish but have everlasting life. He was explaining it to Nicodemus. Nicodemus was a Pharisee. He was one of the rulers of Israel. And Nicodemus, I, I believe Nicodemus believed in Jesus. He called for a meeting, but he did it at night. Why? He didn't want his, his buddies to see him. He wouldn't confess Jesus publicly. He believed in Jesus. You know even the devils believe and tremble? You say, I believe in Jesus. That's good. That, that's a starting place. That you believe he is who he says he is. But Nicodemus wouldn't come in the daytime. And you know, worshiping God is never the popular thing to do here on the earth. The devils will send 55 people to tell you why you look stupid, why it's dumb for you to tithe, and why it's dumb for you to, to spend time down at the church and serve in the community. You could, you could be rich. You could be doing this. You could, have all, you could have all this world has to offer. But we all have to make a decision. Is God worthy? You know what? I'm, I'm personally more worried about am I worthy? I'm personally more worried about is my response to his worthiness worthy? That's what I need to worry about. I wanted to go ahead and settle it today that he is worthy. But we also need to think about is my response to his worthiness worthy? You know, Jesus told a parable about a wedding feast that the king had planned and he had invited very special guest. And when the wedding feast was ready and prepared, they said, go tell all the guests, it's time for the party. And they all begin to make excuse. Some of them said, well, you know, my aunt is coming in on Monday.
you know, I'm supposed to, I'm in a golf tournament. You know, my kid's playing softball. They begin to make excuse. And in Matthew 22, 8, the king said to his servants, the wedding feast is ready and the guests I've invited aren't worthy of the honor. Paul tells us in Colossians 1, verse 10, he, he instructs us to walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing Him, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. Draw closer. Don't draw back. Move forward. Don't go back. And I wonder, is how passionately we worship God in direct correlation to what he is worth to us. Some of us look at people in the church that are really passionate worshipers and, and shout and run and, and cry. And we judge their worship. We talked about that last week. What I would say is, why aren't you that passionate? He's the same God to you as he is to them. Are you walking worthy? Are you ascribing greatness to him as you ought? In the 1970s, in Asia, communist Asia, they were having a church service, true story. And they had to do so in fear of the communist regime. And soldiers busted in, found out where they were meeting. The soldiers went up to the pulpit and they snatched the beloved Bible, the most prized possession of that pastor, snatched it out of his hands and threw it down on the ground. And they gathered everybody up in a crowd. And they says, if you guys don't spit on this Bible and denounce this religion, you'll be killed here today. You go first. And they pointed at a man. True story. The man, obviously troubled. Guns pointed at him. <laughs> Spits on it and puts his head down. Walks out weeping. You next. An old lady. She's already crying. She's weeping. She. <sighs> She gets up to, to the Bible. She can't even gather any spittle. Good enough. She hobbles off down the, towards the door. You next. A young girl comes over here. She bows to her knees. She grabs that Bible. She wipes the spit on, off on her dress. She says, I'm sorry, Lord. I'm sorry for what we have done to your word. They killed that young girl. But I believe she walked worthy. Do you know, according to the Center of Study of Global Christianity, 
that approximately 90,000 Christians are martyred each year somewhere in the world. Thank goodness it isn't happening here yet because I wonder how many of us would spit on the Bible on the way out. 90,000, that's one person every six minutes somewhere in the world is killed for their faith in Jesus Christ. That means since we've been here, how many? 10, 15 people have lost their lives since we've been sitting on these purple chairs today. Something to think about. Another time I had a chance to buy a guitar. My brother called me. He's about two hours away. He said, I got a friend down here. He's got brand new American Stratocasters. That was my favorite kind of guitar. He said, he got brand new ones down here. He's selling for a hundred bucks. I mean, they were a thousand bucks, you know, easy. I said, what are you talking about, Willis? He said, man, his dad like owns a music store or something. And, and, uh, they, they, you know, he stole them from his dad and his dad claimed insurance or something. That's some long story about how he had them, but he was selling them on the black market cheap. I said, I'm on my way. I was probably about 23 years old at the time. I drove all the way there and I got there and we pulled up to this guy's house on back on a gravel road out in the country somewhere. He come out, he brought out some old PV guitar or something, some other off-brand guitar. And I looked at them. I said, I thought you had Fender Stratocasters. He said, oh yeah, I had some of them, but I sold all of them. He said, I got like one left, a yellow one, but I'm going to keep it. I said, let me look at it. It's in the house. We'll go. Let me look and see what it looked like. So he went in the house. He brought out a brand new case. He opened it up. It was a yellow American-made Fender Stratocaster. Still had the plastic on the pit guard. I mean, brand new. I said, uh, I'll give you $100 for it. He said, no, I, I, I sold all the ones I'm going to sell. I'm going to keep this one for myself. I said, dude, I drove two hours to get here because I heard that you had American Fender Stratocasters. I'm buying this one right here. He said, no, man, I, I'm not selling it. I said, I don't think you heard me. I'm, I'll give you $75 for it. He said, yes, sir. I pulled out my wallet. I had like a 50 and some 20s. I gave him 70. Here's, that's close enough. I shut, the, I shut the case on that guitar, and I put it in my truck and drove off. You know what? It was important to me. What's he going to do, call the police? When something is important to you, you don't mess around like you did with that Guild guitar. It ain't time to mess around. Jesus says the, the kingdom of God suffers violence and the violent take it by force. Now, if I have to take worship of my God by force, I'm going to worship him. Ain't nobody going to stop me. I don't care if it's a, a rifle pointed at my head. I'm going to take it by force. Because it's, it's worth it to me. I know who he is. And I know what I was. And I know what I am because of him. 
And those three factors come together and say, He is worthy of my highest praise. He is worthy of all honor. He is worthy of my strength, my resources, my worship. And I don't care what anybody thinks. Jesus said, if you find a pearl of a great price, sell all that you have and buy it. I mean, I found a pearl of a great price. I found the most worthy thing in the universe, in all 46 billion galaxies. I found the pearl. You think I ain't going to buy it? You think I'm going to let him take it back in the house? No, I got that guitar today. It's hanging on my wall today. I scratched the yellow paint off so nobody would know. But it's mine. And Jesus is mine. Jesus is mine and nobody's taking it from me. <laughs> Let's close with this. Maybe you're like Nicodemus. Maybe you believe in Jesus. Maybe you've gone to church your whole life because your family believes in Jesus. But you kind of do so secretly out of fear of what somebody else might think. You'd, you'd never raise your hands in church. You'd never express your love to Jesus in a public gathering. You're kind of shy to do it when you're by yourself. Sort of like Nicodemus was. But let me finish the story about Nicodemus. Nicodemus was there at the cross. And when Nicodemus saw the Lord Jesus lifted up on his cross, he saw the love and forgiveness displayed by God Almighty on his cross. You know what? All of a sudden, all his accolades and his history and his, his pharaohshipness or whatever, Pharisees, the long flowing robes that he was so fond of didn't matter anymore because he bloodied those robes taking Jesus down off the cross. He didn't care what anybody thought anymore once he saw Jesus on his cross. And that's what happened to me when I got saved. That's why I got saved, saved. Because I, for the first time, heard that it wasn't just him dying on his cross. It was him dying on my cross. The one who flung the stars into existence loves me, forgives me. That's why I can't go back. And I refuse to let myself grow stagnant and cold and part-time. Won't do it. And if you see me doing it, you kick me right in the tail end. Some of y'all think I'm crazy. You say, Pastor, you, you get crazier every week. I'm like David, you ain't seen nothing yet. I'll even be more undignified. I don't care anymore. I just soon, like Paul, I just soon go on to heaven now. I know to be with the Lord is much better. I'm just here for you guys to finish out the work he gave me to do. Amen. I know sometimes I preach like I'm getting on you, like I'm accusing you of something. I'm not. I'm just stirring you. I know some of you love Jesus almost as much as me. I know you do. I know you do. 
And I'm honored to be in a church like that. I really am. I've been to a few other churches and they love God. But I think this church is different. I really do. I really do. What I want to do is, is close with a song. I just, there's a song that goes right along with this message. I want to put it up on the, the board there, maybe dim the lights. That'd be fine. What I want you to do is whatever business you need to do with God, do it. Do you need healing? Do you need restoration? Reach out and grab it. Do you need to come to the altar? If you need to rededicate your life to Jesus, come down to the altar and rededicate your life. Thanks for listening to the podcast today. We hope you enjoyed it and that it inspires you to live out God's Word. For more information, visit us at www.mypassion.church.